Thanksgiving. This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports College Football and NFL Draft Podcast. It is Friday morning, hopefully, when you're listening to this. I hope you are fighting people right now in line at Best Buy for a TV that you don't need. You just, you have earbuds in right now. You don't give a shit what's going on in the world around you. That's the move. That's what I would do. Listen to this thing. Black Friday shopping. If you are in the line at Target, uh, pro tip here, what we used to do back in my uh, married days was our parents would go with my ex-wife and I, and we would walk into Target and they would immediately get in line. And then we would go get all the stuff we wanted and take it to them in line. People will get very mad at you, but it saves you hours of time. So, yeah, that's what I would do. I see people do it all the time. I actually took my daughters to the movies this weekend, and I saw people do that. They would separate. Two people would go to the movie line, like the ticket line, and then the other people would go to the popcorn line. Yeah. It's like, why the hell didn't I do that? Divide and conquer. That's that's the way to do it. Divide and conquer. So happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you're still eating leftover turkey because that's definitely the move. We have a fun show for you. As you're listening to this, spoiler alert, it's actually Wednesday when Mello and I are recording this. Thursday, we're going to eat so much turkey and then attempt to drive to Ohio State. It's going to be a fun game of let's see if I can stay awake on the interstate <laughs> as the trip to fan hits my body. Yes, what's going to last longer, the trip to fan or the drive? We'll see. So yeah. it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's like that game people would play in college where you like take a sleeping pill and then see you know how long you can stay awake. That's me eating a pound of turkey and then trying to drive at night. All the way, uh, or only to St. Louis, so not that bad. But we have a fun it'll show. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. I'll it'll be slam fine. a bang. Uh, it'll be fine. Uh, today's going to be fun. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this as we get you ready for the weekend. We're going to go around the league. We're going to do a pick and preview, as always. Top fives. Top five football things. Keep the bosses happy. That we're thankful for. And then your draft on draft questions, as always. But, Mello, we got a couple of things to get through first. A couple things going on around the league. And Colin Cowherd the other day was talking about he has heard from a source, and who knows if it's a real source or if he's making it up, but he says Urban Meyer is going to retire after this season, and he is done with football. Yeah, I don't buy it. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the uh, the. Wednesday show. God, my schedule's off. The Wednesday show, the midweek show to today. (sighs) So confusing. And uh, mostly wanted to get your take because you've been out there saying that Urban Meyer might be faking the brain cyst. And then he looks like he's trying to physically rip something out of his head as they're almost losing to Maryland. The emotions that he had on the sideline during Maryland make me think that, yeah, maybe he is just done with this. And I go through this, too, as a coach. Every couple, I don't know, I guess months, at the end of the season, you're so exhausted and beat down, and I'm not even going to pretend like I'm on his level, but you're so exhausted and beat down from everything, you're just like, fuck it, I'm done with this. Why do I keep doing it? It takes up so much of my time. I don't get to see my family. So honestly, he might be going through that right now, just the... I'm not going to make it to the college football playoff. Why do I keep doing this? It's killing my back. I have headaches constantly or whatever his problems are. So he might be going through that, but I don't know that he's going to retire and be done with football is the part that I struggle with. 
on this podcast for the the time we've been out there, we always like to take football things and relate them to our life. And I remember the last family vacation I went on before I got divorced. And I feel like that's what I look. I looked like Urban Meyer walking through the Redwood Forest of like just <laughs> hands on my head, bent over like, what the yeah. fuck is going the, on? Out here? Hands to the knees. Why am I putting myself through right. this? Why am I doing this? Literally got home from that vacation and got divorced. So it was uh, and I think Urban Meyer got through that Maryland game and he's probably going to fire some people. So similar situation. I don't know. I think it takes a lot to get fired by Urban Meyer. Yeah, apparently it does. Uh, this was one of the crazier stories I saw this week. It's become a thing in the Big 12 where, especially if you're playing against Texas, we saw it at West Virginia, you put the horns down. I don't like it, but I get it. And I'm okay with rivalries. It might be one of the top five things I'm most thankful for. We'll get to that. But I'm okay with it. I actually think it makes sports better when there are people that hate each other. Like like we've said before, I hate that the NBA, like everybody's friends, it seems like, or, right. or like across teams. Like, I want you to hate the rival. Texas in the Big 12 is the team everyone loves to hate. So Everyone te- all over the country. Right. So a Texas player, Brecken Hager, leader of the team, heart and soul. He's a legacy player. His dad played there. He had to apologize this week for hurting some feelings, which I didn't even know you could do in college football. Yeah, like he got reprimanded by the Big 12. I don't even know what the hell that means. I don't know. You can't find him. He's not getting suspended as far as I know. And if he does, it's Kansas. So I don't know what happens here, but you can't walk by a clock apparently and say, oh, you sucks. Which is a thing. If you're not a Texas fan, you might not know this, but it's a thing. I've tweeted it before. You'll say like, hey, it's 11.04 and OU still sucks. Right. So Bracken Hager does this at a press conference. Everyone laughs, except for apparently the Big 12. Yeah, who thinks it's not funny? I don't know. But I can tell you this. As a Texas fan, if you can't say OU sucks, then you can't throw the horns down. Exactly. Yeah. And I like they they did flag one of the West Virginia guys, I think, for doing the horns down. But like, right. Will Greer does it all the time. And here's maybe it's because he had already declared but Baker Mayfield had a press conference at a Texas OU basketball game where he talked about how much he hated Texas. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I didn't, and maybe word. they are just trying to, you know, make it more difficult and they want everybody to show respect. But I'm okay with you throwing the horns down if you don't play for Texas as long as we can say OU sucks. Yeah. If you're going to outlaw outlaw all of it, you just don't let your players talk, apparently. I don't know what the hell they're doing with the NC double assholes. Yeah, well, Kansas won't even let Bevo travel to the game. They have a no live mascot policy. Right. I don't I don't know. Manhattan. Don't what know. are you gonna do? Like what's Ugga gonna do? You know? Like how, what if they play Georgia? Is Ugga staying home? I you guess take a so, stuffed yeah. bulldog. I, I when your mascot is a Jayhawk, I guess you don't have to worry about live mascots. So you just make it the uh, no fun zone for everybody else. You're not good at football. You don't want to have fun. This is how you do it. You ruin it for all of us. Next bit of news: uh, Brecken Hager had to apologize. Arkansas players got suspended for just throwing yes. a little game at some cheerleaders. That's all they did. Flirting with the opposite teams, like cheerleaders or dance team or something like that. I can't believe you would try this during a game. Like, that is such a bad look for the coaching staff there. I get it. I've played a little bit of football, and you see those opposite team, the cheerleaders or whoever, they walk by, and you want to spit your game at them. But, man, to do it at the college level, at a D1 school, at a school like Arkansas, you're in the SEC, and you're trying to mack on some cheerleaders during the game. Not after. During. My daughter has made fun of me for saying this on this podcast, but I don't care because I don't think she listens anymore. But 
you got to shoot your shot. <laughs> when you got a chance, you got to take it. That's how I see this. Like, you might not ever see that girl again, and you're probably staying in town. So, you yeah. know, you know, hey. there for one night. Yeah, one night only. Shoot your shot, young yeah. man. I, I, I know that Chad Morris, the head coach of Arkansas, has to, like, tighten down because they are horrible. So you probably want to come in and, like, make an example of some players, and especially if they're doing this during the game. I mean, my high school coach would have killed us for this, by the way. So I've yelled at athletes on the sideline, too. If, like, I see you turned around and you are talking to a cheerleader, I'm probably going to send you to the stands to sit with everybody else. Because if that's what you want to do on the sideline, you can go be a spectator, talk to those cheerleaders all you want, but I'm going to put your ass out. Yeah, and I I can remember when I coached high school, a kid's mom brought him nachos yes. on the sidelines. And I'm, like, just apoplectic. Like, what the fuck is going on? And the kid wasn't going to play, but still, yep. he's the principal. And so after the game, I talked to the mom and I'm like, hey, you, he can't eat on the sidelines. Like he can eat before the game and he can have like a cliff bar at halftime if he needs to. And he can eat after the game. Yep. You cannot bring him nachos, which you can't even eat through a face mask. (laughs) Right. So he had to pop his helmet up on his Uh head to eat nachos on the sidelines. So now you're breaking two rules because you have to keep your helmet. Exactly. It was one of the like, I was so mad when it happened. And by the time the game ended, I was just like. I don't even know how to discipline this kid. I think we made him do bear crawls because it was just stupid. But I get it that you have to like rein your players in, but I think it's hilarious. Also hilarious this week, uh, Tuesday night, there was some action going on, which is always great. Ball State's quarterback scores a touchdown, and I I love that celebrations have loosened up a little bit. Like We're having some fun after we score. Joe Mixon's playing the piano. This is my favorite celebration that I've seen in a long, long time. He takes the football, pops the top, and shotguns the football. If that's not a stick-to-football celebration, I don't know what is. Yeah, I love it, too. And you're right. They are letting like these college players get away with a little bit more with a celebration. It used to be you couldn't do like anything at all. But now it is getting a little bit better. One thing I do wish they would fix, though, is it's like you can't even point to a player. Like You'll get a guy like Tyreek Hill. We saw him on Monday night. Deuces. Breakaway touchdown, throws up the deuces to him, and they flag that stuff. Like, how? That's not taunting to me. Like, if you want to outlaw that, just stop them. Yeah. They, exactly. Don't let them score. You don't have to worry about that celebration. But definitely, all time favorite, shotgunning the beer. And if you are a listener, you play college football, you do that celebration, go ahead, throw it on our Twitter, and we will shout you out. Oh my God. Every yes, time we see it. We need to come up with some kind of like stick to football. Like, if you do it where you can't get rid of the football, if you're a college <laughs> or pro player, Pat, listen to me, Pat, do this, please. Next time you score, act like you can't get rid of the football, and we'll know the football stuck to you. Somebody did it a Stick couple years football. ago. It was like, yeah, it was stuck to your hand, and then they tried like getting it off their hand with their foot. It was pretty creative. If I know there are some players who listen to this, and they might not want their name out there, but if they would do it, I would be very, very happy. Oh, my God, that would be – It would. I would somehow make it like my Twitter profile picture would be a gif of that happening over and over again. Yeah, I completely forgot Mello because I'm so excited about today's show that I uh, buried the lead, which I've actually started doing a lot on the Friday show. It's, it's like your like, thing. It's uh, you really got to wait. You got to get 10, 15 minutes into the show to really get what I'm trying to, to get to, I guess you would say. So uh, if you haven't heard tomorrow, if you're listening to this Friday or maybe today, if you're listening to it Saturday, we are tailgating at Ohio State. If you are within... I'm making an 11-hour drive, so really no one has an excuse. If you're able to get there, you should. 
And I mean, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Like, what else do you have to do? Nothing. nothing. Get your ass to Ohio. And really, built-in excuse here. Maybe you have in-laws. Maybe you have girlfriends, family, and they're doing their Thanksgiving on Saturday. Ah, I can't go. My favorite podcast is going to be tailgating at Ohio State, Michigan. I got to go down there and see those guys. You should. We will be in the Gray Lots, spot 47. Look for the 27-foot-long red, white, and blue RV trailer with the Bleacher Report flags. We're I think flying. we are stick to we football are flying flag. the flags. There's Bleacher Report and stick to football flags. They're black. They'll be up there. Look for us. It'll probably be like the rowdiest tailgate in the RV lot. That'll be us. Yeah, definitely the rowdiest group. Definitely for sure. Yeah. Let's get into our picks for this week, uh, which makes it kind of tricky because we're going to have some games on Thursday night. We're going to have some games on Friday night. I tried to stay away from any of the Thursday night games, but we will go ahead and preview some of these Friday games for you. Um, I've been getting a little ballsy here and throwing out some underdogs, and I'm not getting away from that. But my record now is 40 and 20 versus your 39 and 21. Which, what do we have? Two weeks left of college football? Yeah, in this, unless in we do bowl. like some kind of bowl. We got to. We yeah. got to keep it going. But one game separates us. So this is a pivotal week. This is rivalry week in college football. <laughs> Motherfucker, this is rivalry week on the podcast, too. I'm going to take my lead back. First game up, Nebraska at Iowa. And just full disclosure, Mello filled out the schedule this week. So just saying, full disclosure. Remember that as we go through these games. <laughs> Nebraska at Iowa. I love what the Corn Huskers have been able to do the past few weeks. Adrian Martinez is going to be a stud there for a long time to come. But Iowa is too good. They're not ready for that pink locker room Friday morning at 11 o'clock. It's going to be wild there. It's going to be physical. I don't think Nebraska can shut down the dual threat tight ends. Yes, dual threat tight ends. Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. They roll. I think Nate Stanley has a big game. The Corn Huskers lose to the Hawkeyes. And Nebraska is rolling. All right, now they look very good. They are not the team that we saw to start off the year. I love Big Ten games that start at 11 a.m., especially on a oh, Friday. Yeah. Like, I know we will be traveling, but we we will find a way to be watching these games as they happen. Next game up, I'm going all the way up north to the west for the Civil War. This is Oregon at Oregon State on Friday. I'm going with the Oregon Ducks here. I think that they just have too much going on against an Oregon State team. They played pretty well against Ohio State for a little while, yeah. and then things got out of hand. I think Oregon State's running back might be able to get some things going, but Justin Herbert and that offense is just going to be too much for Oregon State to handle. The Ducks win the Civil War. And I think Dylan Mitchell's too good at receiver for Oregon State. You remember a couple of podcasts ago where I was like, Washington State has the worst defense. I've told this story to you. I was a little flustered, and I meant to say I was thinking about Oregon State. But I said Washington State, so I just rolled with it. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Clearly, I've been wrong. True story. I was thinking about Oregon State and just said Washington State. I mean, they're all up there. It's hard to tell there the difference. There is the danger of drinking while recording. Sometimes you say one thing and mean another, and, and you have to admit it a month later. Virginia at Virginia Tech. This is a big one. It's also on Friday. I just cannot see Virginia winning this game. And I have no faith in Virginia Tech. Like, this is one of the most inconsistent teams in the country. And I think yeah. we might be talking about maybe Justin Fuentes is starting to get on the hot seat. He needs a win. He needs this in-state win, especially. I, I don't see anyone on Virginia that really scares me. So I'm giving, the, giving Virginia Tech the win, but I my confidence level would be at about a two. 
Yeah, and I think this out is, of four hundred. Uh, so that's how big my confidence meter is. <laughs> two to four hundred. Okay, yeah. that's a weird scale. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's going to be a closer game than I think what we're used to seeing out of Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, with the Hokies, I mean, your quarterback transferred from Kansas. That's what you have playing there. I really thought a long time ago we were going to see them make a change and go with some of the younger quarterbacks, but they're sticking with their guy there. Um, I think that'll be a close game. I didn't put it on my side of the board for a reason. Next up for me, the war on I-4. You're defending national champs. UCF at USF. So the number 11 ranked team, they still have a lot to play for. And it's crazy the way that they find ways to motivate themselves. They're still undefeated. And I, I really think they believe if they run the table, they can end up in the playoff. They have a lot playing, a lot to play for still. So I think they're able to de- defeat Charlie Strong and the Bulls. Um, USF. They're good. They this was a very exciting game last year. I just don't think that you can beat Central Florida, not if you're from the American Conference. Yeah, I agree. And like this is a team that is playing for something. And I think you look at what Josh Heupel's offense is doing. They are Mackenzie Milton is one of the best players in college football. Like they are fantastic. And I, I think defensively, okay. They're not great, maybe, but they can slow you down. USF, like Charlie Strong's team, like you said, it just has really not been. I would actually say has not been as good as we maybe expected them to be. So um, I, I look at this as a game that UCF. There's a lot of U's and F's. I know it's UCF very hard to say. Should be able to win this one. And here's where you realize that the schedule was stacked against me. Number six <laughs> Oklahoma at number nine West Virginia. I hate both teams. I actually like West Virginia because I love I country I roads. No, oh, are we gonna take me home <laughs> to the place? Oklahoma's gonna win. Uh, I like. I had to pick this game with my mind and not my heart. If Oklahoma wins, they're in the Big Twelve Championship against our Longhorns. If they win over Kansas, which yeah, most whew, likely gonna happen. We've seen some shit happen there before, so who knows? But I think Oklahoma does get the win. Kyler Murray in that offense, they are just cooking. And we've seen with West Virginia, like that is a very good offense. This is going to be like Chiefs Rams of the Big 12, where it's going to be 54 51 or something. But I think Oklahoma is just too good with their wide receiver play. They have so many guys, whether it's Brown or CeeDee Lamb, who can get open and make plays. And what they do after the catch is going to give West Virginia fits. We saw what Texas did against them with yards after the catch. LJ Humphrey went off. I think Oklahoma, with the speed they have, that's going to give the Mountaineers a lot of trouble. The only thing that, like, maybe you would want to pick West Virginia, this is probably Will Greer's last game. It is his last game at West Virginia. So maybe, just maybe somehow he and David Sills go off. Yeah, and I think you're right when you compare this game to, like, what we saw Monday night with the Rams and the Chiefs. There's going to be next to no defense played here. Oklahoma just gave up 40 points to Kansas. Uh, West Virginia is going to score points very quickly. I think that's going to be one of the funnest games to watch this weekend. Obviously, Michigan-Ohio State is probably going to be the best game. Uh, there's just so much writing on it. But when you look, look at just like points scored in a fun game to watch, Oklahoma and West Virginia, they're going to put up points. I didn't look to see what the over is. I'm looking it up right now. You take, uh, I actually think it's like 80. I think it hit 80. And I would it. still take the over. The I think this is going to be another like 40 points. 84. That's high as fuck. <laughs> uh, I would still probably take it. 
I have some money in my account on this betting website that I'm not going to, I almost said, but they're not paying me. I'm not going to say it. You want me? I'll just, I have a lot of money in my account. I mean, not a lot, like more than a little, <laughs> more than I would normally be comfortable betting. Are you telling me right now to just push this button on the I mean, over? I would, I would. Okay. Here's what I'll do. I'm not going to bet at all. I'll put a hundred dollars on the over. Okay. Let's see how much I win. And if I win, I'll split it with you, okay? We should probably should have checked the weather conditions for West Virginia before we, we bet the over. Right now. Uh, because that does play into it. They're not playing in, you know, sunny Southern California. But if you just look at the offenses here. Where these, is West Virginia? I know where West Virginia is. Is it what city do they Morgantown? play? Morgantown? That's right. <laughs> okay, I was really <laughs> concerned about you. I thought I was going to have to call an ambulance because <laughs> you had a stroke. Uh, where is West Virginia? It's west of Virginia. Yeah. Reading a book about the Civil War doesn't know where West Virginia is. Uh, Forty-seven with a one hundred percent chance of rain. Okay, I'm not so betting maybe on the we over. Don't bet the over. Just gonna. If they were playing in a dome, they would definitely hit the over. Deleted that bet from the slip. So never mind. We were gonna win ninety dollars though. So we would yeah. split one hundred ninety bucks. Not too shabby. All right, next game. Let's keep it rolling. Rivalry week. I love it. So Georgia Tech at Georgia. I think this game is closer than what the experts are going to say. Georgia comes in as a 17-point favorite, and maybe it's just all the triple option talk that we've been doing lately, but I think that Georgia Tech can keep this game close. No shot in hell they win it, but (laughs) since it is a rivalry, I think that they actually are going to keep it within 17 points. So with that being said, I am taking Georgia, but in a close game. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Number 12, Syracuse at 20 B.C., uh, Syracuse, a uh, tough loss to Notre Dame last week. I mean, they got their ass kicked. Like, I mean, they got beat yeah. down. Like, what I would like to do to Floyd Mayweather. That's how that looked. BC, though, I, so many struggles offensively. They're going to ride A.J. Dillon, and then they're going to ride A.J. Dillon, and then guess what? They're going to ride A.J. Dillon and hope that that offensive line can get enough push against Syracuse. This is another one. I, I want to play, like, weather.com here and see if the weather is bad, I think BC has a chance. Because they are just physical enough, especially on the D-line. And nope, it's going to be sunny in 45. I'm picking Syracuse. There you yeah, and it. that's a tough game, too, because Boston College just lost to Florida State. Like, that yeah, doesn't happen this year. Um, so maybe they do have a little bit more going for them. They want to bounce back. This is like an old Big East matchup, so I think you are going to still get some kind of a rivalry there. Um, but I'm with you. I think Syracuse. The over on this is 57 and a half. I might go way under on that. Yeah, that just feels high, especially for Boston College. They're a defense team. They don't yeah. score a lot of points. Syracuse it, just got shut down by it, a good defense. Is Eric Dungy not hurt? Yeah, he could be hurt. I would take so. the under there, which is weird because last weekend I said that I never like does the under ever hit. You said that, and I bet the over on the Texas game. Like, oh, Melo yeah. said, and lost. Yeah, and then so, the under got it. And then, like, the Michigan State game was 6-9. to nine. Yeah, So, yeah, it. it does happen. Appreciate it, Melo. <laughs> Betting expert. All right, let's Mello move along fun. here. The Iron Bowl. Not the game that we thought it was going to be because Auburn shit the bed this year, and now they're not even ranked. Uh, but they do go to Tuscaloosa, and they take on one of the best football teams we have ever seen. This is an easy pick. It's Alabama every week, even though it's the Iron Bowl. Does Auburn have a shot? Yeah, I actually think they do uh, just because of the rivalry, but I don't think that they will win. Alabama's going to win this game easily. 52 and a half, see over. 
for this game? Yeah. I would take the over on that one. Because Alabama alone might break the over. You can actually buy points. I was thinking about doing that. No, I would take the over. 52 and a half. What's uh, the spread? Uh, 25. Ooh. I know. I'm still thinking about it. I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at it like, hmm. 25 and a half is the spread. I might take that. I know. Like against Auburn, you know, they don't have defense this year. Alabama is going to be able to get after Stidham, and that has been their problem all year. They can't protect the quarterback. Well, what does Alabama do well? Send Quinn and Williams right down your center's throat, and he just kills quarterbacks. That's what the guy does. So Alabama is going to be able to do that on Saturday. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I just don't think I'm going to bet this week. I don't feel good about anything. It's like betting during rivalry week is weird because yeah. it doesn't matter what that number next to the team says. A team could come out and play very well. Like even Oregon, Oregon State. That's probably the game I'm most confident about picking. Oregon State could win that game and I wouldn't be surprised. I would just say, oh, it's the Civil War. Shit yeah. happens. Yeah. The Confederates almost won there for a little bit. Shit happens. <laughs> Last one for me, number seven, LSU at Texas AM. LSU wins this like easily. I'm calling this my blowout of the week. LSU wins by 17. The, and A&M is actually the favorite. What? They, yeah, they have a three-point favorite I mean, at, at Kyle Field. So if you're looking to make a bet on a game. It's down to one and a half. Matty Mills, that would be your, maybe, I don't know, even your super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts to bet my money on. Well, that's your segment, not mine. So, man, yeah, I would win $85 if I bet 100 on hmm. It's so addictive. Once we started getting into betting, I haven't actually put any of my money down because, well, you know. <laughs> the segment. But it's so tempting to be like, oh, I know who's going to win this game. I'll just throw some money down. So hopefully somebody does this week because I am going to go with my super underdog, Locksmith, game of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts to bet my own money on. I'm going with Washington at Washington State. Washington comes in as the underdog at number 18 at Washington State, who's number eight. The Apple Cup, I don't care. I think Washington is going to win this game. They've got a lot of good things going for them. You got Chris Peterson against crazy-ass Mike Leach. I think he gets his team ready, and they have some things going now. They struggled at the very beginning of this year, but now they're doing better. And I'm still waiting, like we talked about last week, Mike Leach will not have a one-loss team. They will lose this weekend to Washington I'll guarantee it. Put your money on it. I know I'm going to be right this time. Ooh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. It's the locksmith of the week, guaranteed. So during that break, I talked myself into it. I put $100 on LSU, and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I hit the button, and I was like, okay, it's done. And then uh, I was like, confirm your bet. So (laughs) when this game ends, I'm either going to be super excited and $200 richer or $100 poorer, and uh, I'll be fine. It'll be okay. Uh, it's all good. It's okay. Yep, it's fine. Uh, all right. And this is real money. This isn't like the Bleach Report gives us fake money to bet thing. Like, <laughs> this is just out of my U.S. bank account. Like, yeah. Like, this is real. This Like, my kids aren't eating. So, top five things we're thankful for this week. Football things. Excuse me. Top five football things we're thankful for this week. It was just top five things we're thankful for. Yeah, I mean, my kids would make that list, but they're not about to make this top Casey's five. pizza would make my top five things. Is I'm that not a football for. thing? Ooh. <laughs> if I eat it while I watch football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good people at Iowa would be like, yeah, it's yeah, a football it thing. Probably. Oh, man. Taquitos from Quick Trip would make my list. Have we done gas station foods before? I think we've or just Or did we done, just do gas stations? We did gas stations. 
Yeah, we could probably just rank like all gas station foods and have yeah. a whole. We'd have to do top ten. I've there. said before, I could have a podcast that is just just ranks travel things. <laughs> Maybe like, that's our next podcast. We just it's like a travel stick to road trips. Yeah, there you go. Instead of uh, it could be like gas stations, taquitos, and nachos. Instead of diners, dives, and drive-ins. <laughs> I actually said it right that time. We think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know the name of the show. So top five things we're thankful for. Draft style. Mellow. Flip that coin. I'm Tails if people forgot. Your head is Tails. Tails never Which fails. is weird because on this quarter, let's let's dive in here. <laughs> this is an Iowa quarter from 2007. The Tails version of this is actually like a bird's head. I don't think that's an eagle. Looks I don't know. It's a shitty-ass bird. I don't know. But it has a bird's head. So both sides are heads. So really, did Ooh. you win? Or did uh, I win? Uh-huh. I think I, I, I did. I think you won because old <laughs> George W. is on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> Not George W. <laughs> George Washington. Sorry. <laughs> Let me get specific. George yeah, well, Washington. We, we changed our money. George W. Bush is now in the court. How is he not? Uh, it's I a almost shock. made a really bad joke yeah, it's about a shock. what state quarter he should be on. What state quarter should be on? Oklahoma? (laughs) Let's get into our top five things that we are thankful for this week. You have the first pick, so go ahead. Since it's football things, the number one thing I'm thankful for is the NFL draft. I mean, that's it's corny. It's cliche. It is why I have a job. It's why you're listening to this podcast. But I actually just love the NFL draft. Uh, We have two older brothers. They could come in here if they actually hung out with us, and they would tell you that (laughs) I have always been obsessed with the draft. Like, from the time I was... Four and five years old, I would get football cards and memorize where guys went to college. And it was like my parlor trick of like, ask me me where anyone went to college. Yeah, I used to have a uh, just, you know, regular old job. And they that was like their thing. Like they would try to quiz me like, where did this guy go to school? I would know it. I don't even know like how it just stuck with me because I am a huge fan of uh, college football, obviously. So players stick out to me. And then as soon as they went to the NFL, I could always remember. The big one was like. Willie Parker. Somebody was like, oh, you're never going to guess where he went to school. And I was like, yeah, it's North Carolina. That's an easy one. Yeah. Give me like a small school guy like Brian Westbrook who went to Villanova. Like, I know this shit. Yeah, why don't you give me a hard one? <laughs> Any more brain busters? <laughs> Those are Z's. So, yeah, the NFL draft is the thing that I mean, I do. I absolutely love it. I get psyched for it. It's sad because I haven't watched an NFL draft since 2011. Cam Newton, number one overall, was the last draft I got to watch. And people are always confused by that. They're like, how's a draft guy not watch the draft? I've been covering the draft since then. Right. I've been on camera every year for the draft, uh, starting with the the Andrew Luck class till now. So it it makes it tough because I, I don't get that moment. And now there's so much stress right. around it. So I, it's it's kind of like bittersweet. I don't really know if you could say that because you're doing what you want for a living, but you also don't get to watch right. the draft and just throw back a bunch of beers like, like we, we used, used to. God, those draft parties were legendary. So maybe this year. I've heard rumors, knock on wood, that we might be having a draft party this year. If so. it goes the way that it's sounding, it would probably be the best draft party we've ever had. It's probably the best draft party anyone's ever had. And you might be invited if you're listening to this. Let's keep rolling, though. Most thing I'm thankful for here, I'm not going to go with the NFL draft that did make my big board. I'm going with tailgates because oh. I can't get enough of tailgates. Uh, and it is a football thing because you do it at a football game. Uh, I love the Lawyer. atmosphere. Um, even like baseball game tailgating is different than football game tailgating yep. or whatever it's else. It's a little more sophisticated. Uh, I don't know about that. A little more like baseball is. 
No, baseball tailgates. Yeah, yeah. They're like not as rowdy. Right. But I mean, you tailgating for a football game, you got people jumping off tables. You get there, you have to prepare for two meals, breakfast and lunch. So tailgating for a football game is one of my favorite things about football now that I'm not playing anymore. How many tailgates will this Ohio State will be our fourth this year? Fifth. I don't know. Texas, TCU, TCU. LSU, MOSO, fifth. Yeah. And we have one more after this. Right. So oh, six tailgates mm-hmm. in about 12 weeks. Which is pretty impressive since <laughs> only one of them was at like our favorite team spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. God bless my liver. Number two for me on this list, Jerry Rice, the man <laughs> that made me a football fan. Uh, and uh, people have forever have given me shit about being a front runner, about, oh, you're just a Niners fan because they were good. Yeah. Because when I was four years old watching the Super Bowl, when they beat the Bengals, I became a Jerry Rice fan. And it stuck. My earliest football memory is literally watching this man catch a ball. And then I grew up to play receiver. A little bit worse than him at it, but we both played the same position. And I've I've been a Niners fan since, I mean, since I was four. So, uh, and like never wavered on that. I just want to point that out. <laughs> ever. I don't even have a second NFL team. You know, a lot of people would be like, well, like, but I also kind of like this team. Other than the Patriots, never mind. I do have a second I was going to say, team. I mean, you do. I wasn't going to out you, but I think you but definitely you do. do. Everyone knows it. Everyone. Okay. But Jerry Rice. No third favorite, though. <laughs> exactly. I do think Jerry Rice is like a big part of the reason that I stuck as a football fan. Like, because when your favorite player becomes the greatest football player of all time until Tom Brady comes along, it helps you, like, really get into it. And I was fortunate enough to to have him as my favorite player, which you, you don't have a favorite NFL player. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day, trying to like come up with who, just guys that we love to watch play and who our favorites were. I don't really have like a favorite player of all time, it just, especially in the NFL. So Jerry Rice would probably actually be mine too, just for the appreciation of what he was able to do and when he did it. Guys cannot even come close to his records. And he was doing it in the early 80s or sorry, early 90s. When we didn't throw the football, and he right. still has all these records. When corners could mug you. Like, yeah. Like for like 15 yards right. down the field. They can't touch your ass now. Yeah. And I know that it is so amazing that Tom Brady has played until he was 40, but so did Jerry Rice. And yeah. he did it at wide receiver, where you have to be fast. And like you said, it was different to play back then. Corners were all over you, so you had to be able to do that. To be able to do it as a 40-year-old is just incredible. He wasn't at Brady's level, so you don't have to tweet at me there. I get it. But he was playing receiver as a 40-year-old man with a receding hairline. Yeah, with a receded cornrow. <laughs> yes. It like started at like the middle of his head. It's like a mullet. I, I will say, good luck. one of the biggest disappointments of my professional life was meeting him, though, because he was like not having it. Oh, yeah, that sucks. And maybe it was like the environment. It was at the Super Bowl in San Francisco, so he was probably just busy. And he was there were like eight guards around him. It was crazy. That's probably just like his everyday life, yeah. though, which so, is that kind of sucks for you. But at the same time, I mean, we should get him on the podcast and just bury the hatchet. He and I just yeah, that's I, I think it's probably, a great but, idea. I probably wouldn't be able to talk. Be like Connor and Daryl Remus. But I love you. Yeah, you're up, buddy. All right, next one for me. We'll keep it just like. Rolling topical here. I'm going with rivalries. I love that you can hate another team and you don't even need a reason other than they don't like your team. We're going to see it this week. You have in-state people like your common, your peers, and you can absolutely hate them and their team and everybody just gets it. 
I love it. I love going head-to-head with somebody like this. You look at all the games that we previewed this week. To have a rivalry where it doesn't even matter what you're ranked. You're still going to get heated, and you want to watch your team beat the shit out of that other team. <laughs> it's great. And I, I know there are rivalries in other sports, but the ones in football, especially in college football, are the best. So this is actually on my list, too. Uh, so I love it because... Uh, again, being a Texas fan, one of the things that makes you a football fan is hating Oklahoma. If you're a Michigan yeah. fan, you hate Ohio State. Uh, I actually believe this conspiracy theory that Ohio State didn't credential us to their game because our initials are MM. Yeah, there's like, just too many yeah, M's there. We couldn't put a credential because too many fucking M's in your name. Uh could also be because their SID hates me. But uh, I, I do think rivalries are a huge part of what make sports great. I would love to see more of them in the NFL. Like, I think that they should do a better job of, like, when the Patriots and Colts were a rivalry, they played each other every year, even though they weren't in the same division anymore. I would like to see more of that. Like, when the Steelers and Bengals play, like, I'm clear in my schedule. I'm watching that. When the Steelers and Ravens play, you're watching that. Like, I want to see some punches thrown at some helmets. So I think rivalries are part of what makes it great. Uh, Number three for me, Madden. Like if you are our age, you like, I can remember when you could start trading players on Madden and it was like, I mean, this is not an exaggeration. I once missed 21 days of school in a semester (laughs) and all I did was play Madden. I I wasn't sick. We didn't go on vacation. I played Madden all day while mom was at work. Yeah. It was super easy because she had to get up earlier than us. So you just had to account for us like going to school on our own. And a lot of times it didn't happen, and when we were missing school, it was we were playing Madden. And I think that Madden really brought in like fans that aren't even football fans. Like you have guys now that just play Madden because they like the game, and it's a football game. And so it did create some new fans and more interesting fans. And the realism of it, that like the graphics now are crazy. Your franchise mode, the fact that you could make a draft class and then draft those guys oh, in. Oh, God, that was like, huge. We got to get that back somehow. Like, I, it won't happen because the fucking NCAA <laughs> ruined a whole era of video games. But that was also another part, like playing NCAA football, getting all your guys exported, and then putting them into Madden was fantastic. And I did love Tecmo Super Bowl. I know there's going to be people who tweeted us and be like, yeah, Tecmo was great. And, yes, I love zigzagging with Bo Jackson like anybody else. But when you could, like – for me, Madden was so much about the not even just the gameplay, but like the offseason stuff. When you could go through a draft class and make trades and, and set your depth chart, I remember like you and Dan would be like making fun of me because I would have fucking notebooks of team needs and <laughs> yes. players yeah. I was scouting. Like and going through draft. the offseason, go into Matt's room, see what he's doing. Oh, he's playing Madden. What's the notebook for? It was probably even the yellow fucking notebook you have now. And it would have, like, quarterback need in 2020. We're going to wait. And running back, need a backup, need a third down back. It was crazy. The notes that you would take on paper. I can't throw you under the bus because I I would do it too. You didn't want to look back at your team. It's just I need to look at my notebook and see what I need. Give me some pizza rolls, Doritos, and a hot (laughs) Coca-Cola and a legal pad with a fine point pen. You play Madden all day. I'm going to go buy an Xbox today. I don't have one anymore. Now I want one so I can play Madden. Yeah. You just got to find somewhere that you can get a Madden code. It also (laughs) helps that I'm in the game. I didn't want to go there, but I will now. It is like, I will say that's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. Oh, definitely. And I teach fifth grade, so I have students all the time. They'll be like, oh, I was playing Madden. I was like, oh, do you ever play on franchise mode? 
And a lot of them don't anymore. For I guess they're probably too young, but it is kind of cool because I will shout you out and be like, oh, my brother is in the game. And so a lot of times they don't believe me, but then they, they start to come around by the end <laughs> yeah, of the year. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, they all think I'm a liar. It's a great thing. They trust me a <laughs> yeah. whole lot. Uh, next up for me, uh, number three thing that I'm thankful for for football, I'm actually going to go with defense. Um, because I know that we're not seeing a whole lot of defense anymore in the NFL, and people are talking about the change and how um, even offensive coaches are the only ones that are valued. No one's going to hire a defensive mind. right? But if you look at every other sport, you don't even give a shit about their defense. If you're watching the NBA, you're not going, oh, God, I can't wait to see LeBron go on defense. Half these guys don't even play defense. But we have stars in football who only play defense. Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, who are the best at their position. Yeah, You actually get excited to see what they are going to do when they are on defense. No one is saying, well, Ron Artest, he's a great defensive player. Can't wait to watch him shut down whoever. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in you know maybe baseball a little bit, but even then, you're watching the batter and maybe the pitcher. So defense, you're not watching the shortstop. Yeah, defense and football is like no other sport. And then there is still tackling that goes on, which is very exciting. And I know bit. you get fights in hockey, but it's not like the NFL or any football really. So I'm going with defense is my next thing. I like that, and I'm glad that we're starting to see that like come back a little bit because there are you know guys like. Aaron Tonnell, Cleo Mack, like Miles Garrett, Von Miller. Yeah, Von Miller. I mean, there's some great, great players who are, and it's super important. And I think as we see the offensive explosion, we're going to see, again, adjustment almost at some point. There's going to be that next, you know, brilliant defensive coordinator uh, who's going to be a hot head coach. And and I don't know who it is yet, but I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, number four on my list. You got to hear me out here. I'm thankful for villains because the NFL the would Joker. suck without Bill Belichick. <laughs> mm. College football would suck without Nick Saban. They are the guys that we love to hate, and they are very important. It's like the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone right. hates the Cowboys unless you're a Cowboys fan. There's a team of every era where it's like, you why the them. fuck are they so right. good? Alabama. I mean, yeah, the Patriots just took two. So yeah, I mean, that's two, two decades. So they really <laughs> suck. But it was the Niners. It was the Cowboys. It was like the super Christian uh, on turf Rams that everybody hated. You know? <laughs> Kurt Warner's wife's hair shorter than his. Like we get it. You hated them. Uh, and now it might be the Rams again soon. It could be the Chiefs. It will always be the Cowboys and Raiders. If you're not a fan of those teams, like yeah. But you, they're a team that you have an opinion on. Right. You, it doesn't matter if it's like in no favor. No one of. has an opinion about the Titans. Right. They're just like, oh, they're still a team in Nashville? Yeah. Oh, they got those ugly uniforms? Okay, yeah. cool. Their head coach cuts the sleeves off his shirt to make a vest? I like it. <laughs> I like that about him. But villains are needed to make football great, to make any sport great. But that's one of my favorite things. And you know this about me. Hopefully our listeners do now. I love to root for chaos. Like, I just like to watch the world cry. Like, when the Patriots, when Malcolm Butler intercepted Russell Wilson in the end zone, I just sat there laughing. It was like one of the funniest <laughs> things I'd ever seen because the unexpected happened and the villain won. Yeah, like the Patriots, like the it's just guy. like a, they fucking won again. Like, I loved it. And I was also upset when the Eagles beat them in the Super Bowl for that reason. Yeah, I like that one too. I wasn't sure where you were going with it, but I like it. Another one for me here, number four, I'm going with uniforms because I love the uniform watch and just the tradition of it too. 
It's maybe not something that a lot of people are a fan of, but I love it. I love going and hearing like what new teams are doing with their uniforms. We've talked about it a lot. And some teams, some people, sorry, even will root for a team based on uniforms. I think there are probably half of the world will pick who they want to win the Super Bowl based on what the uniforms look like. So I'm going with uniforms number four on my list. Yeah, that was actually next on my list. I was going to go more specific. I was going to say all whites. Like, oh. the, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs all uniforms white. look great Texas, on Monday night. Texas wearing all white always looks the cleanest to me. So I was going to go all whites, but uh, I like where you're going here. Um, next for me, this was a tough one. I had to scramble a little bit. I'm thankful for that big fucking cow down in Austin, Texas, <laughs> Bevo. Because being, a, I've said before, being a college football fan was made easier by, you know, guys like Major Applewhite, Ricky Williams, Derek Johnson, uh, Vince Young, Colt McCoy, Chris Sims, Cedric Benson, all the great Texas players that we've had the pleasure of watching over the last 25 years helped make that being like cool to be a Texas fan. Things like teaching your kids how to hook them. Like yeah. the tradition and like the, I guess that's what, what I should say. The tradition is what I see is like, that's one of the coolest things. And it's so much more a college thing than an NFL thing. Like, I don't know if Bills fans teach their kids how to do like a fucking somersault off an RV onto a table <laughs> that's on fire. It's cool if they do. But like that's something that that I absolutely love about being a football fan. And and especially now that I'm a dad, like getting to, you know, teach my son about what it means to be a Texas fan. And, you know, the first time he nailed a hook him and, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a very cool moment as a parent. Yeah, I think you're right, too, if you extend this out into tra- traditions, because Everybody has theirs. And even if it's not like your team thing, like you have your ritual before you watch a game or you have like, I have to sit on this spot of the couch and if shit doesn't go right, you have to move. So it's like tradition. It's superstition. It's the whole just atmosphere of football and everything that comes with it. Last one for me is more college football specific, but I love the student section. You know, you have these kids who are 18 to 22 showing up to a game and they're hammering ass drunk when they get there. They're rowdy to the point where if you can pick which side of the field you want, you try to stay away from their section and you don't see it in the NFL, but in college football, having that student section is rowdy and I love it. And I, I'm so glad that I got to be a part of it at Pitt State a couple times. So having the student section can change the whole game for you. I wish the NFL had something more like it. It is draft on draft time. I could open a Diet Dr. Pepper. It's noon. <laughs> yeah, on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. And I know that I'm going to eat so much on Thursday and then drink so much on Saturday. And I'm normally like, I'm the guy when people are like, let's take it easy. I'm like, you know, kill yourself. We, you only have one life. Go live it. Um, I'm going to take it easy. Yeah. YOLO. Uh, that's my next tattoo. I'm taking it easy today. So no natties for draft on draft, which is a little weird, but uh, you'll at least be able to understand. If, I, if everything. we didn't have so much stuff to do after we record, maybe we would be pounding some beers right now, but we do. We just, we're getting ready for the huge Ohio state tailgate. Huge. huge. Uh, we're, we're going to buy beer. We have to pick up a trailer. It's a lot of stuff. That you can't do when you're drunk. Or shouldn't, anyway. Shouldn't do. I'm not going to read this first name. This is all you. So this, she actually slid into my DMs and she said, you don't have to say my name if you don't want to. I asked for permission and said, can we try? So, Shalitza, Shalissa? I'm going to go with Shalissa. I think you're right. Krutzer. Krutzer. Shalissa Krutzer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
with the success of Trubisky and the Beers. <laughs> Let's try it one more slip. time. Yep. <laughs> With the success of Trubisky and the Bears have had this season, and Solomon Thomas still not making an impact, is it time for the narrative of John Lynch fleecing Ryan Pace to come to an end? Yeah, it definitely is. I, I think that even like we learned probably later that actual draft that that idea was wrong, and I I don't remember because I like I was on camera. I'm sure someone remembers what I said about it, but. At the time, I wasn't a fan of, oh, trade up one spot to make sure you get your yeah. quarterback. But what comes out after the fact is that like John Lynch and the Niners were calling basically every team in the NFL, calling the Chiefs, saying, hey, you want your quarterback? Come get him. So I think it was smart for the Bears to secure their quarterback, and especially now that Mitch is playing so well. And Ryan Pace made the right hire to get him Matt Nagy and then gave Nagy the freedom to go get, you know, college guys who can help build this offensive staff with Mark Helfrich and, and high stand from Notre Dame on the O-line, like it's super important. So yeah. And I was not a fan of the, the Ryan pace hire. I wasn't, I thought they should have hired Chris Ballard, but he has done a very, very good job and we'll see how well they're going to have to draft well without some first round picks, but they got Khalil Mack for those right. first round picks. And he covers up a lot of, a lot of issues. They found Hakeem Nicks who the Saints didn't want. The Patriots didn't want, and now he's one of the best defensive tackles in football. So they definitely deserve a lot of credit. And Solomon Thomas sucks. I'm sorry. Right. And you're right here because at the time of the trade, we were like, why are they moving up one spot? You know, the Niners aren't going to draft a quarterback. But if you look at it now, who gives a fuck? What they, they gave up like an extra third round pick to yeah. go with it. Like, who did they get with that third round pick? Probably no one special. I don't know. Maybe prove me wrong on Twitter. But you also it was have a John Lynch draft pick. It wasn't good. You have your quarterback of the future now. So even when the Chiefs took Mahomes, I said I hated the pick. You don't trade up that high because you still had a lot of needs on defense. Well, guess what? It worked out for him. And I think it's working out for the Bears, too, because they do have a good quarterback, at least so far, it looks like. And, yeah, the Niners, Solomon Thomas, hasn't really done anything. And now they still need a pass rusher. Yeah, and I will say, like, Solomon Thomas is a great like, human being. A really good guy. Everybody talks about, you know, hard worker, a uh, lot of character. But he just, I mean, he has not been a good player. So I think that's the the thing right now, if you're a 49ers fan, that it's like, oh, we still have a need for an edge rusher. And like, but we picked Solomon Thomas number three overall. So how is that possible that he did not end up good? It's and like the Lions, when they used to take all those receivers, like, well, shit, yeah. we just took them three years in a row, but we still need one. Right. That's the Niners. And honestly, Reuben Foster has regressed this year, too. So both of those 2017 first-round picks that looked so promising, like they looked like the future of the team, yeah. they have not been good. And that third-round pick, um, I, was it C.J. Beathard, maybe? Who's going to be a career backup. Yeah. And, and like his job might even be on the line yeah. if their quarterback now keeps playing the way that he is. You know, here's here's the deal. So Chicago traded the pick to San Francisco. New Orleans traded up and took Alvin Kamara. <laughs> uh, <Ooh>. Yikes. <laughs> so it's even worse now. You missed on Trubisky and Alvin freaking Kamara. I'm just going to go jump off this building. <laughs> it's not very high. You'll still live. It's going to break all my legs. Uh, next question from Brandon Albert. Thank you for a good easy name. What, if any, is the trade value of Joe Flacco and Ryan Tannehill? I, I, there's definitely trade value, especially in the upcoming quarterback class is so bad. Uh, Friday morning, you can actually read my scouting notebook, and that's what it's about. It's just how bad this uh, upcoming quarterback class might be. 
with Joe Flacco, I think the big thing is the contract. You know, he signed, I think, a three-year extension worth $66 million with an out after next season. Right. So you're basically trading for one year. It looks like the cap hit is $26.5 million. So a lot, but if, manageable. You, you can you do it. just get somebody to take his contract and say, yeah, we'll trade it. Like, whatever. Give any pick that you want. Just get rid of this contract because we don't need it sitting as our backup quarterback. I do think that they make the move next year, maybe with a new coach to Lamar Jackson. Damn, man, they save $10 million if they trade him before June 1st. So, And there's going to be teams. I mean, I could see that, yeah, the Giants taking a flyer on him, the Jaguars, if yeah. they really wanted to. And so then you get those two teams competing at least, and then maybe you can drive up the cost and get yourself actually right. something third-round pick. I, I, th- I wouldn't imagine to get much higher than that. Right. And with Ryan Tannehill, <clears throat> excuse me, they actually have an out after this year uh, with his contract. So you can, you're, you know, you could get rid of him as a cut. Um, it's going to cost though, man. Like it's, you're going to have 13 million dead money on the cap. So that sucks a lot if you do it that way, but he, he just hasn't been good and he's been hurt so much. Like yep. He's 30 years old. Right. He had some good receivers there. Yeah. Last year they had good receivers. I know he was hurt, but can we stop acting though like he's gonna get good? Like yeah, he's been in the league too right. long now. He's on his second contract. Yeah. He's he's 30. He's a man and he's still not good. So I, I don't know that he has much value, but I agree that they should be looking at quarterbacks very seriously. Uh if not this year, then definitely next it's year. It's gotta be next year. Like I don't care who your quarterback is, next year you should probably just go ahead. Take a look and see what they got. God, Tua would actually just like look good in a Dolphins uniform. Yeah. He's, like he just looks, he, uh-huh. he would look good there. Yeah. I'm with I you. Like it. Next one here Mitchell Blake wants to know what players in the NFL draft could also have been picked in a draft of other three major sports? Example here, Kyler Murray. So I did a little bit of research here on this one. Uh, this year's draft, the one that stood out to me is I'm pretty sure A.J. Brown has already been drafted to play baseball as well. You're right. Uh, so he is a very good prospect. Other than that, I'm not sure, just to tell you the truth. But my favorite stat that I came across when looking at guys who have been drafted by other leagues, Dave Winfield, who is a Hall of Famer yeah. baseball player, he was drafted by the MLB. Awesome. Dude was also drafted by the freaking NBA and the NFL. He was drafted by all three major sports. That has to be like one of the coolest things of all time. Like I know you're a baseball Hall of Famer, but to be able to be say you were drafted by all three major sports is incredible. I mean that I don't I'm trying to think of someone else who could even say that. No, I don't think it's ever happened before. I think he's the only guy all three sports and then you go on and you're a Hall of Famer. That's great. A couple other guys who are notable that did either they were drafted or they actually played baseball. Tom Brady was drafted by yep. the Expos. He was a pretty solid catching prospect. And um, topical news, Joe Maurer just retired. Everybody always talked about how great he was in high school. He had yep. a scholarship to go play at Minnesota, I believe, and looked to be like another Peyton Manning type guy. 6'5", 230, great arm. Went on to make tons of money and win a couple MVP awards for the Twins. And no CTE. So he did. Yeah, okay. and he's uh, got the, I mean, yeah. knees are probably not good. And he's like Jake Taylor right. back there. But what about Russell Wilson? That's Russell the most Wilson? obvious one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the one I thought, too. It goes both ways, too. Jeff Samarja, who was a great receiver at Notre mm-hmm. Dame, now a pitcher in the major leagues. Yeah, Drew Henson. Drew Henson. Probably should have just stuck stuck to football. 
Yeah. And he would have been like the first pick in the draft and probably had, I don't know, maybe a successful career. It's hard to tell because he didn't do anything once he started playing football. Yeah. Cowboys tried. They tried hard. Uh, Jonathan Robicho, I think. Robincho, Robincho, it's French. Who, what's your take on the, who, what, where, uh, what is your take on the MVP race? So that was a conversation we had a lot Monday night watching the game. It's like, this is Pat's award. If you look at the stat line, the stat line is a lot worse than what the game was, but the stat line is going to tell you three interceptions. Yeah. And when you have a guy like Drew Brees, who is balling out right now, if I had to vote right now, I would say Drew Brees. But I think those are the only two guys I would even consider. I think Jared Goff. Uh, could be, but Todd Gurley's probably going right, to take votes away from him. Right, and I think that's why I don't say him. And you know, honestly, I would look at guys like Khalil Mack and Aaron, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald Aaron, has fourteen and a half. Exactly, sacks. yeah, and he just he changes the game. I know that the Chiefs put up a lot of points, but he changes the game and the way that you have to scheme around him. And he's doing it from an interior defensive lineman. That is so hard. Like Warren Sapp is the only other guy that even comes to mind, and he wasn't as good as Aaron Donald. And I refuse to give him any credit. Yeah, he's just a John tool Randall. Bag. John Randall, but even he, him, he was right. he's not on the level of Aaron Donald. So, he Aaron Donald would be my vote for the MVP race. Here's why mine will be Drew Brees. No, or humble brag. Will be. He has thrown, I don't know if you know this. He's completing almost 77% of his passes. Yeah, that is ridiculous. He has 25 touchdowns and one interception. They've played 10 games. He has one interception, and this isn't like he's just checking the ball down. They fling that fucking pigskin, and he's thrown one interception. He deserves it, and it's not about like career or anything. He is playing phenomenal ball this year, but I feel like guys like Breeze and Brady, they're so good all the time that we struggle to appreciate it, and right. he deserves to be MVP. And maybe I'm going to get some hate for this. You know what? Pat's going to have another chance, and Goff's going to have another chance. Like Breeze deserves it. The way he's doing it, his age especially is just outstanding. And I, I'm not even like a big Drew Breeze guy, but to be 39 years old and to be just whipping the ass of the NFL, he deserves some love. And that's what I was looking at right now. You look at some of the teams they beat already this year. For one, let's start here. How the fuck did they lose to Tampa Bay? Like, it was 48 week one. to 40 week one, but yeah. they did lose to Tampa Bay. But they've also already beaten the Vikings this year, 30 to 20. They beat the Redskins, who were leading their conference for a little bit, their division. Um, they've also beat the Falcons. They've also beat the St. Louis Rams and the Eagles. Yeah. Killed the Eagles. Made them look like they didn't even belong in the league anymore. 48-7. <laughs> to seven. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's amazing what he's doing this year. The one pick came against Minnesota. Who has a very good secondary. Yeah. Notably very I... good secondary. That game against Atlanta tomorrow is... Or Thanksgiving. Yeah. You're listening to this on Friday. I bet it was great, though. It was fantastic. (laughs) Let me tell you. It was amazing. I think that Breeze is going to be one of those guys like Brett Favre where enough people don't appreciate him while he's playing. And then when he's gone, you're going to be like, that guy was really fucking good. Yeah. I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer. Easily top five quarterback of our era. I think it's Brady. Manning. Maybe Breeze even, too. Like, if he gets another Super Bowl. Yeah. Because he's already breaking Peyton's records, but I don't know. He's he's three probably for me. Um, no matter what he does, he could retire today and he'd be the third best quarterback. We don't have time for this, but one of these days we're gonna have an Aaron Rodgers talk on this podcast. Uh, I think it comes up later on the draft on draft question. Okay, good, good. I haven't read these. I never do. Wes, 
Just one name. He's like Prince. Assuming Justin Herbert stays in school, do you see the New York Giants going after a veteran quarterback? Uh, and we actually answered this on the Wednesday show, which came out as Mello and I were recording, so he hasn't heard this yet. But I won't, you can put your take in on this, Mello, because Connor and I did. Oh, this well, is what happens when you record the day the show comes out. It's yeah. hard to do. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't listened to the midweek machine. show. So whatever you guys said is probably just great and incredibly <laughs> accurate. If you want my two cents, I would think that they probably do go with a veteran for next year. And we already talked about it. I, The more I think about the Joe Flacco thing, I really think that that could happen, especially if the Ravens do change coaches. Uh, but if you're going to get Teddy, I don't know how well I would want him in that system. I know that there's some trades. Derek Carr has been rumored to go on the trade market. But if I'm the if I'm the New York Giants, I do punt on next year. I don't draft one of these quarterbacks. I'm not sold on Haskins or, you know, even if if Herbert comes out, you draft him. But since we're playing, he goes back to school. I wouldn't draft a quarterback high, not in the first two rounds. Maybe you take a third round guy. But go get yourself a veteran, maybe even a guy like Joe Flacco. Yeah, I like that. We actually didn't bring Flacco up. So, see, that's what you get when you add these questions from Mello as well. And I'll do a better job of reading to make sure. We're good. We're good. We got a clear path. Travis Johnson, do you think Gruden goes full wild card and screws up the Raiders draft this year? And if so, what are your realistic predictions on how he's going to do that? So, he probably will screw up the draft, and I don't even think he's going to mean to. Uh, But they're sitting at probably, what, pick three right now? Yeah. So that's going to put them out on Joey Bosa. Nick. Yeah. Damn brothers with the names. (laughs) It's going to put them out on Bosa for sure. Uh, Ed Oliver, I don't know that he really fits in there. Quinn and Williams, I don't know about. I think that they are going to reach for Cleland Furl, whose name we have all been saying (laughs) wrong, apparently. It's Furl. (laughs) It's Furl. Like a referral or something. I don't know. But I do think that they're going to reach, even though I do really like Cleland Furl. I I think that they're going to reach and or maybe even just pick some like offensive tackle like David Edwards number 3 overall. I I think you can look at Gruden's drafting when he was with Tampa uh and and it's bad. It's really really bad. Yeah. And hopefully uh he lets Reggie McKenzie go and brings in someone who knows what they're doing. I, that's been rumored all along, so hopefully that does happen because he needs to let go. It needs to be like Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Andy's effectively the GM. He says, hey, Brett, this is what we need. I trust you to go find these guys for me. And he does. And guess what? They're really fucking good at it. They need that type of relationship. He needs someone in Oakland who can do that. Because right now at three, like, I don't know who you draft. For their need. like, Because you're not going to get Bosa. You're not taking a receiver. And like you said, Maurice Hurst, as long as his heart doesn't explode is an interior D-line. You're not going to have him and Ed Oliver together. Mm-hmm. I would just take Josh Allen. Yeah, probably. The, the other Josh Allen. Right. Yeah, the Kentucky Josh But that's Allen. probably not what John Gruden will do. He'll trade back. Yeah. He'll get like another first-round pick that they don't fucking need, Yeah, and then they'll just get somebody who bust. Just start trading for next year's. Just be like go yeah. complete Cleveland. Back to Matt. Like we and just want. Just, yeah, I'm gonna have eight first round picks next year, and we're gonna take Tua. And fuck you all. That's uh, how could he mess it up? Is it would be by reaching, just not playing the board. Like I think anytime you draft for taking a fucking position, running back. Oh god, yeah. Bryce Love, number three overall. <laughs> yeah. That would definitely be one way to do it. Uh, Jimmy Millville. I like that name. That's that's a good strong name. Jimmy Millville. It seems many quarterbacks take too much of the cap up and to get other good players like in Green Bay. Is there enough to play with that Green Bay 
could be good, or is McCarthy just coaching badly? So this is a like a hot take that we've actually had, and I don't think we've ever shared it. It's very difficult to win if you don't have a quarterback who's on his rookie contract. So we're seeing the Chiefs and the Rams right now go all in, and they look like they're on pace or on track to go to the Super Bowl. They can do that because they're not paying their quarterbacks very much. So I think teams like Green Bay are going to struggle because they can't fit all those other pieces that they need because they just can't afford them. People would love to come play with Aaron Rodgers. But when you have a quarterback that's taking up so much of your cap, you really you got to do it through the draft because you're not going to be able to afford guys in free agency. Right. And I think that's where you look at New Orleans. Like, how have they mm-hmm. been good? It's because they had that awesome draft. Yeah, because their two other players, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, are on rookie deals. Yeah, and Thomas was a second-round pick. Kamara was a third. So they're cheap, and they're going to have to pay Thomas. And we saw what their rookies did last year. Right. So it's very important that if you—and I think with Aaron Rodgers— uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of the most gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen. I think at some point you have to wonder how much that talent does he make players around him better. And then also, can he carry and lead a team? And you can look at the, you could say, oh, he only has one Super Bowl, and you can blame Mike McCarthy if you want. I think that blame needs to be shared a little bit more than it has been. And we'll be able to tell at the end of his career what what the actual case with that was. But I think you can look at, at the the new GM there, whose last name I will never be able to say. His first name's Brian. Last name starts with a G. Uh, he needs to hit on the draft like he did last year. Get guys like Jair Alexander. Now this year they have two first-round picks because of the Marcus Davenport trade. They need to draft very well because with Rodgers making $30 million a year, you only have so much room to go around even as the cap continues to go up. And this is a fairly old roster Uh, On the offensive line, they need help with receiver opposite Devontae Adams. Like, they have a lot of needs to fill. So it really is going to come down to, like Melo said, if you got a quarterback on a second contract, you better be really good at drafting. If you have a quarterback on his first contract, you go spend some money, and you can buy a team. I can get a Sam Watkins. Right, yeah. The Chiefs, uh, the Jets are going to try to do it probably this offseason with all the money they have. The Browns are probably going to try to do it to some extent. So uh, it's just you have to be smart about where you spend your money because – there is there is a salary cap. It's a pretty big deal. Next one up, Jordan Kinneman wants to know, who wins an Oklahoma drill, Saquon or Aaron Donald? Ooh, fuck. I just, Aaron Donald. Yeah, after watching him play and him trying to go after Justin Britt without his shoulder pads on, that man is amazing. He what? literally is a generational talent. We haven't seen anything like him in 20 years. And he and Saquon are the same height, so it's like he can get low, and that's what the key is in Oklahoma. You got to get low. Yeah. So he's six foot two eighty four. Saquon's six foot two thirty four. Really, not that much size not, difference. Right? There. Yeah, I mean, not that much. I think Aaron Donald wins. He's so that'd be fun. I'd buy a ticket to watch that. Yeah. And I mean, Giants Rams. Not a very good game, but that's a matchup. Uh, yeah. I would rather pay my money to see that alone. But I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Why are you guys doing this to me with the names? (laughs) Are they just making names up to send you? No, this is another one who slid into the DMs, and his name isn't a part of his Twitter handle, but he also said he just wanted to hear Matt try to say his name, so he also sent me his name. His name's David. Mm -hmm. Ma me? (laughs) Because the J is an H sound, right? I have no idea. Because it's not Magic O'Dunmi. <laughs> it should be. It should be. That's your name now. Magic O'Dunmi. 
Did you see the person on Reddit in our Reddit uh, thread? He posted a picture and it was like, Matt will never see this coming. And it's the colorblind thing. I'd ask my girlfriend to read it to me. And she's like, it says rise against the colorblind. <laughs> and I can't fucking read it. So uh hate you guys. All of you. So not to go on a tangent, but I did a like one of those with my students a couple of years ago and was like, what it's what number do you see? And then it's a bunch of red and green. And I had one girl that's like, what number? And I was like, what number do you see when you look at the screen? She's like, I don't see a number. I just see dots. What are you talking about? It's like, there's a number. You don't see it? And she's like, no. It's like, you're you're colorblind. She's like, I've never been told that before. I don't know what you're talking about. So I had to break the news to her like, oh, sweetheart. You're As colorblind. a girl, that's pretty rare, too. It is, yeah. But yeah. she was freaking out, and she started to get angry. It's like, I don't see the fucking number that you're talking about. <laughs> she throws it down. <laughs> Why is everybody shouting seven when there's just dots on the screen? Yep. Uh, yeah, man, that sucks. I remember the first time I had to take one. And now anytime I go to the eye doctor, they're like, here's a colorblind test. And I'm like, can we not? It's embarrassing. Like, I didn't learn to see color over the last year. <laughs> yeah, can you we were just... over there sniffing markers. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's not that I don't know the colors. I can't physically see the colors. So, old Magic Man wants to know, who are the best players at each position in terms of stats and skills? Example, Brady stats, Roger skill, wide receiver, he says, Jerry Rice stats, Randy Moss skill. Yeah, so and I think those are probably the good ones. I even if you went Brady stats, I don't even think his stats are that great. You'd probably go more like Manning. Yeah, but, Brady's but I wins. get the argument. Yeah, I think there. running back, like obviously Emmett Smith, running back yeah. Barry Sanders is skill, and that's who I had too. Yeah, um, for tight ends was like the only other group that I really looked at. But Tony Gonzalez has almost every record for tight ends. But everybody always talks. Oh, Gronk is the best tight end of all time. I would make the argument that he's not. But when it comes to skill based. The dude's like six foot seven, yeah. runs like a receiver. He's huge. He's got the best skill that we've ever seen at tight end. I have a good one. Ready? Bruce Smith has the most sacks. Lawrence right. Taylor is the most talented. Yeah. He's 13th on the sack list. If that dude could have stayed off the coke, oh my God. God, he would have just probably literally killed somebody. Yeah. I mean, he tried to kill Joe Theismann. <laughs> Almost did. Almost got him. Uh, I don't know who like the interception leader is. I'll tell you. All time. Paul Krause. And he is definitely not better than Deion Sanders. Not better than Charles Woodson, who's fifth. (laughs) Do you want to talk about this? Do you know where Deion Sanders is on the list of interceptions? Not in the top 20. It's because people didn't throw to his side. Well, if you were a good player, you'd make it happen. Rod Woodson's third. Yeah, he played for 90 years. Yeah. Charles Woodson's fifth. That is actually a lot higher than I thought. Ed Reed is seventh. Ronnie Lott is eighth. Ronnie Lott's eighth. Damn. I think he's the best. He's the best safety. safety of all time. It, if we're talking skill versus stats, though, skill-wise, everybody always says Sean Taylor. We just didn't get to see it long enough. Yeah, and that's that would be my argument, too. I love Sean Taylor, our yeah. late friend Dan, who's probably up there drinking with Sean Taylor, having the time of his right. not life. Down there drinking some Henny <laughs> with Sean Taylor. It's more like it. But I, I think you're right. We just didn't see him get to play long enough. But he was a phenomenal athlete. But I, I would still say that Ed Reed might be the most talented. Yeah. I mean, I know he wasn't 6'3", 220. He was like six foot, 200 pounds, but he played like he was 220. This is more I obligatory shout out Bob Sanders because I <laughs> loved that dude. So Yeah, because he was 5'8 and played <laughs> at Iowa? Yeah. 
because he was me as a safety, but like to hit people. Last question for our buddy Nolan Schumann. He's been sending a lot of these in, and I uh, forgot to put them in last week, so sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> uh, what's your guys' ideal jersey numbers for players based on their position, whether it's a quarterback with 16 or 12, a DB with 21 or 24? Thanks again. So 16 or 12, I'm going to say no. That's Montana Brady. I know, but that's... Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever numbers. watched football, but that's who wore those uh, numbers. <laughs> the number seven it, for me is iconic. That was my number. I love it. And number seven on a quarterback looks better than any jersey number out there. I actually think 10 does. I what? like the symmetry of 10. I don't know. There's just something about the number seven. No, I, I love that. Seven's, I mean, Elway, obviously, seven uh, is a great number. But I, actually, 12, like if I were to make myself in a game right now as a quarterback, I would wear 12. And it's like, it's Randall Cunningham. Like, yeah, Tom Brady now. Tom Brady, Unitas, right? We're, uh, yes. No, he was like 19. Yeah, he was 19. Name it. Name it. 12. Yeah. Who yeah. sucked. Andrew Luck. That's who I was picturing. Andrew yeah. Luck. Uh, I think he's right with D-backs. 21 is just very clean. Thank you, Deion Sanders. Thank you, Matt Miller. Uh, but even then, you probably wore 21 because Deion. I wore 21 because of Eric Allen. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Um, if you're going with receivers, like 80 is still a good one. I like if we're talking college, if you wear number one, I think that looks special. It looks good for receivers or 80, 80, 80 is good. I like it when college defensive linemen were five. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. I just do. I always have. I like it when safeties wear number nine, like Tom Zibikowski. Like I loved watching him. Like play. Matt Bowen. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's there's just, where that started. There's something special if you're like a white safety a and you wear cut. number nine. Yeah, we need a Bowen on the show. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, man, yeah. And then offensive line, seventy six, sixty nine. <laughs> Do you, you like number seventy six? Yeah. See, I would go with like seventy seven. Maybe that goes back to the whole seven thing. Maybe it does. Defensive end, ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Ninety nine is the best. Linebackers, fifty one. I was going to say unless 55. you're an edge. If you're an edge, it's fifty five. I think if you're a mic, it's 51. Or 56? 56 is Lawrence good. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a, like a deep question. I'm be thinking about this shit for weeks. <laughs> and I'm yeah. be like randomly tweeting. You know what's a good number? <laughs> right. Yeah. Six. And the people that do follow you that don't listen to our show are going to be like, <laughs> what, what the smoking? fuck is at NFL Draft Scout doing? Like, he's just tweeting about numbers now. <laughs> no one ever really knows. I mean, me and the number 23 <laughs> is going to be the thing. Uh, I do know back in the day, I used to uh, make myself an NCAA at running back. I'd wear five. And that was before Reggie Bush. Yeah, there's... There's something about single-digit numbers in college. Like, yeah. it just looks cool. I know that Texas, like, for a long time, they wouldn't give their freshmen single-digit numbers. You had to wait till you were a sophomore and then change it because they will just assign you a fucking number. Yeah. Or at least they used to. And just be like, this is what you're wearing. So the fact that you can wear a single-digit at a position like running back or receiver or linebacker or whatever is pretty cool. 11 at Texas. You yeah, were 11 at Texas. Me. I'm going to love you forever. All right, that's our show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. If you are in the Columbus area, come find us Saturday morning from sunup to sundown. We're going to be in the RV lot. Shotgun and Natties playing cornhole. You beat playing me. Playing Xbox. Sign board. We have that. Playing Xbox. We're, we're bringing so much stuff. It's going to be a great time. Come meet us 10 o'clock in the morning. We're going to record the show. Get your voice on this podcast. Brag to all your friends. And then leave an iTunes review about how good you sounded on the podcast. That's what I would do if I were you. For Mello, this is Matt. We'll talk to you guys real soon.